again everyone welcome back to one patriot place here on wblc sports as well as the full press coverage.com website you're on the air with Stephen murph we are one patriots place home of your world champion new england patriots who ran their record the three and oh yesterday on sunday they beat the jets 30 to 14 which the score does not indicate how truly one-sided this game really was there was never a doubt in this one from the, I think, from the first uh, snap of the game until, you know, the final kneel down. Uh, but we're going to get into all of that. We're going to break down the game. We're going to talk about some of the issues that's going on with the team injury-wise. And we have a great guest, Evan Lazar from CLNS Media, will be joining us in about five or six minutes. So before we go any further, the big green man is uh, waiting in the wings. Murph. How's it going today? And let's talk about the game yesterday. 3-0, brother. 3-0. and <laughs> I, I, I could nitpick, but no, I'm not going to. not going to. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to enjoy 3-0. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's plenty of people that are nitpicky today. And, I mean, yeah. it wasn't perfect, especially no. offensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, they started off like a house on fire. The first three times they touched the ball, they went right yep. down the field. It was way, way, way too easy. And then the Jets, you know, they made some adjustments. They tightened up. Um, And I give them credit for that. You know, they started to fill those middle lanes a lot better. But defensively, this team defensively, I mean, granted, (laughs) and we talked about it the other day. The Jets were, you know, their kid to start in his first NFL game. Um, And he has a really – yeah. Huh? Butchie homered off this kid Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, the bottom line is, I mean, he has so few weapons to work with. And they weren't helping him out at all uh, yesterday. No. I mean, you could pin this loss on a lot of things, but pinning it on the rookie – well, he's not a rookie, but the quarterback in his first start, Luke Falk, mm-hmm. no, this this wasn't resting on him. This no, I, I put this one on their coaching staff. Yeah, you have to, and of course, Adam Gase ripped his team after after the game um, because it's never Adam Gase's fault. Never, <laughs> it, it's just not people. So get used to it. Um, and, and you could you could maybe get on on the offensive line, both the offensive lines for the the poor running game, uh, but you, I, I'm not going to nitpick. <laughs> <laughs> It's well, you know, and when it comes to the Jets, I mean, we t- we talked about it. We thought mm-hmm. that, you know, they were going to lean heavily on Le'Veon Bell, yep. you know, in the running game and in the passing game. And they did. And they did. But, of course, at, you know, at the same time, 
Bill Belichick kind of realizes this too. So they made a concerted effort. Well, we're going to take away Le'Veon Bell. And what are you going to do? And they never adjusted. No, and, they, you know, Falk is going back there. Dude. Nobody's open. His protection's breaking down. Yep. And, you know, he, yeah, he has a decent grasp of their offense because he played with Gase last year in, in, in Miami. But when you don't have anyone open and your line isn't blocking, it mm-hmm. kind of limits what you can do. It does. It it it, it kind of puts a damper on your day, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And um and that that's exactly what it was, man. A damper on this poor kid's day. And yeah, his I'm parents not, came I'm... to see him play. And, <laughs> you know? uh, that's a tough one for your parents to sit through, but you know, you know, parents growing up, uh, show up. You're playing your 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 childhood hero, which we're going to hear more and more about as the years go on. Now, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. He said he had, and I mean, it's crazy, isn't it? He was like, I had a poster of Tom Brady up in my room when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I was thinking of that at, at the kickoff, and I was like, "Yep, that's insane when you think mm-hmm. about it. And now he's like playing you. against him. <laughs> yeah, unreal, unreal. The the guys the guys that, that have played against him already and have retired are, are well on to their you know, broadcasting careers and headed into the halls of fame. And, and now he's going up against kids who had his poster on their wall. There are guys in the booth, there are guys in the booth that came into the league 10 years after Tom Brady. <laughs> I know it's, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, when you think about it, the longevity it he's had, it's, and he's still playing insane. at a ridiculous high level. He is. He is. What he did, what he's doing out there. He's just still, still, you know, just dropping back and slinging it. The 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 run game is okay. So I'll sling it. And what's what's even more impor- more impressive right now is the fact that yes, he lost Julian Edelman in the first half. We're all gonna we're gonna talk about that in a little bit. Um, he has no tight ends to to speak of. Um, his number one weapon. Everybody was has you know. Um, was Philip Dorsett. Everybody had him on the way out of town uh, <laughs> once, <laughs> you know, twice. But at, at the cutdowns, he wasn't making too many people's uh, initial rosters. And then again, you know, when when Antonio Brown came to town, oh, that that was it. And it, it's it's thin pickings out there, man. It's it's not easy. He's throwing. He's got rookies out there. He's got a. a a, a former premier wide receiver on the outside that he's still for some reason not on the same page with um, totally. Uh, I think uh, him and Gordon connected on, on half of their passes. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, they, some of them were the patterns that Gordon was running and um, some was, you know, just on, on coverage because they knew at that point in time he really didn't have any anybody else to go to with James White out, with Edelman out, with um, the fact that uh, they, they just refused to put Sony Michelle into a pattern. Um, I, I don't understand this. We, we've seen it. We, we, we heard it talked about all summer long. Um, first week, no. Second week, no. And and now it's it's just insane. But this defense is just picking things up for everybody, uh, giving the team, making sure the team has good field position, which was one of my keys. 
uh, to last week's game, pinning them back. I got a, I got a nice stat I want to throw out here from from our boy Tucker Boykin. Um, Tucker threw out of the 37 defensive possessions for the Patriots, 22 of them have ended on a punt, 59%. 6%, six of them have ended on a turnover. <laughs> Five of them have ended on downs. Three of them have an expired time, and just one ended ended it uh, on a field goal. Three point defense has given up all freaking year. Three points. I mean, yesterday, I, you know, and, and I was talking about this last night to somebody, and you know, they were like, "Well, you have to look at who they're playing." And I was like, "I don't care who you're playing when you only right. give up 105 yards." of total offense to a team and, and 69 net yards through the air. That's impressive. I don't care if, if the, you know, you're playing, you know, Grafton high school. I mean, that's just yeah. the way it is, you know? So, but anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about that as we go along, but you know, our guest is now on the line and we don't want to waste any more time. So we're going to bring him right in. Evan Lazar from CLNS media is joining us again. You know, it's getting to be a, a regular occurrence here, Evan. We need to put you on the payroll. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm all in. <laughs> and if you would be all in on the money. Yeah, be all in on the money. There you go. Well, you and Alex, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's getting to be a regular occurrence. So it's like, hey, you know, we need to talk to somebody. Put these guys on the payroll. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Evan hasn't Absolutely. been here in, in in a month or so. I it's I've got a rotation no, here, and you know there, it, it was it was. Did we have you here due. right after the Gi- Giants preseason game? That sounds about right. Yeah, I, and, and, it was somewhere in there. Uh, Toss me <laughs> under a bus. Easy, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Three and oh, my man. Three and oh. Um. What did we learn from, from this game yesterday? Well, you know, I think that the last two games, we kind of have been asking ourselves, how much can we learn from right. these two opponents? But I think the the one thing that I continue to see about this defense is the team defense approach. It's not just a couple of guys making splash plays. Right. It's not discombobulated at this point in the season for everybody to be this on the same page with all 11 guys plus, you know, the guys that they bring in in rotations and substitutions and certain packages is just really impressive. And we haven't even seen, I mean, I heard you guys talking about it before about, you know, the level of competition and, and everything. I get that, but we haven't even seen a coverage bust. We haven't seen a, one guy kind of be – out of position and blow an assignment and have a play right. go for, you know, big yardage. But other than the one Jason McCourty gave up in the opener to the Steelers to James Washington's really been the only big play that they've given up all season long. And, and for that to be the case through three games, regardless of who you're playing, is just really damn impressive that they just haven't had one mistake, assignment-based mistake this entire time. Right. It's just, it's incredible. Let's talk a little bit about the uh, metamorphosis of, of one Danny Shelton, man. Number 71, the jerseys are flying off the freaking shelves right now <laughs> as to what Danny is doing on the field. Um, we knew that, that this team was going to uh, use its number one weapon, bring its number one weapon 
And even though his number one weapon really looks like he needs to eat a fucking cheeseburger, Jesus Christ, man, he looks like he looks like he weighs eighty-seven pounds out there. But he, they they really shut down um, Le'Veon Bell this week. He he gained only thirty-six yards on twenty carries, and Danny was was a huge uh, piece there. No pun intended. Um, what what do you think of Shelton so far in in this? Uh, I don't want to call it a second trip around but you know he he took a stroll he took a walk saw what was going on out there and came back what do you what do you think of Danny this this season so far yeah he's been great I mean I think the biggest thing just to go to the game plan I talked to him a little bit about it yesterday and he just said that his job to stop Le'Veon Bell was to hold up blockers and just eat up blockers in the middle of the defense and keep those linebackers clean and let those Mm -hmm. guys kind of anticipate where Bell is going to jump to because, you know, he's such a patient runner, Le'Veon, and he's going to sit back there behind his offensive line and wait for you to make a mistake, wait for you to open up a gap or wait for the defense to overcommit to one side of the formation, whatever the case may be. So the linebackers really were the guys that they just kind of stood and stared dead red at Le'Veon and waited for him to kind of make a move. And poor Danny Shelton's in the middle of the defense getting washed by like <laughs> 10 guys, you know, the, yep. the whole offensive line is closing in on him. The whole defense is closing in on him, but he did his job. He held up in the middle and, you know, he did a great job of kind of letting those other guys eat. You know, he doesn't get a ton of credit in the stat sheet at the end of the day for his no. work yesterday. Uh, he only had one run stop. I'm actually doing my advanced stats report before I called and he only had one run stop that I had him for. And yet he seemed like such a key cog to the entire thing, despite the fact that he's not going to be in the stat sheet. So that that's pretty impressive. I think the other thing is, as Belichick pointed out last week, I believe it was, that they've find a, kind of found a new role here for Danny Shelton a little bit. And yeah. uh, they've changed kind of their approach with him slightly. I think last year when they had him, they expected they were getting – a run-stuffing 3-4 nose tackle, a guy that was just going to sit like a rock in the middle of the defense and take on double teams and not get moved in the run game. And that mm-hmm. really wasn't his strength. I-, I think that what he's done a little bit more of he's now not Vince is Wilf- No, he's not Vince Wilfork. He's not Ted Washington. He's not yep. those guys that are just parking their, you know, 350 pounds in the middle of the defense and not getting moved. He's more athletic than those guys, maybe not more athletic than Vince, but more athletic than Ted Washington. And uh, he gets up field. You know, he's a guy that can get off the ball. He's got great first step and, and great snap recognition. And he can really get up field and push those guys back on the offensive line. And they've allowed him to do that a little bit more, allowed him to become a little bit more of a penetrator along with the two gapping. And that's really seemed to work out well for him. They also they did a bunch with him over the center yesterday but they've been shading him a little bit over towards the guards a little bit more, I think also, which has really helped him out. Uh, and, you know, they've kind of figured out what to do with him. He, he's more of like a, of a, you know, three technique, one technique defensive tackle, not a, not a true nose and not a guy that's really going to, you know, take on two blockers at once and hold the point of attack. He wants to get upfield. Right. Do, do you think, um, uh, excuse me for interrupting, Murph. Do, do you think, Evan, that uh, Brett Bielma had something to do with that? Because, you know, he come from a um, he he came from uh, my English is wonderful this morning. Uh, he came from a defensive background in college. You know, he was a defensive coordinator, 
Now he's the defensive line coach. Do you think he had something to do with this? I think that Bielema, one thing that he pointed out to us when we were talking to him was that the Patriots system, the way that they ask guys to rush and to also uh, play the run is very different than anywhere else that he has ever been. He said it's very unique what they ask these guys to do in New England compared to what they do in other places. So I wonder if him getting to, you know, promoted to defensive line coach, whatever you want to call it, uh, I wonder if he has had a little bit more of like influence in terms of getting those guys to go back to doing what they did well before they got to New England because it mm-hmm. is such a different scheme and such a different request that, you know, he wouldn't get into that, obviously the details of what exactly he meant, but he just, he meant that it's just different to play defensive line here in new England than maybe it was even for Danny Shelton in Cleveland or going back to Danny Shelton's college days or any of these guys. So I think that he is trying to, they're trying to cater a little bit more to certain guys' strengths uh, up front, especially Shelton uh, I think Byron Coward, even though he hasn't played a whole lot, that he's another one of those guys that they're trying with the rookie to get him comfortable and let him do things that he's comfortable with doing. So I think mm-hmm. that that's really where they started this year with Shelton is let's get him comfortable and figure out what he likes to do and then cater the defense or cater his snaps at least around what he likes to do. Great point. And, you know, um, the other guy that you talk about a metamorphosis is Jamie Collins. You know, he kind of played himself right out of town here a few years ago. He kind of left a little bit under a cloud. He came back this spring, and he's been nothing short of sensational out on the field. I thought yesterday, I thought he was the best player on the field yesterday. What did you see from Jamie? It's incredible. And, and I think the thing that's even more incredible uh, you know, listen, I think that a lot of the splash plays we saw the first time around, you know, the, the coverage ability and the ability to rush the passer, he was always pretty good at those things, even a couple of years ago before they shipped him off to Cleveland. But the ability to now process things a lot quicker and then stick to his assignment. There was one play yesterday where he's got the edge and he's supposed to set the edge and old Jamie Collins would have turned the corner, gotten in the backfield and tried to, you know, make a tackle for loss three yards behind the line of scrimmage. Maybe it would have worked out or maybe the running back would have gotten out of there and there would be no edge and he would, the running back would go for 10 yards. You know, it it was, it was always one or the other with him. It was, it was a home run or, or it was, you know, a strikeout. And now he set the edge. He stayed in his gap integrity, stayed in his lane. He let Le'Veon come to him, and then he made the tackle for loss. You know, and those types of plays to see him realize his kind of role within the framework of the entire defense, I think is night and day from where he was just a couple of years ago. And he acknowledged it after the game yesterday that, you know, it's just different. His mental processing, his feel for the game, his understanding of football, you know, little intricacies is just way different than it was the first time around. The other thing that's been shocking to me is just how much praise the other players, his teammates and the coaches have heaped on him. I mean, Belichick has gone on and on and on about like how good Jamie Collins has been since they got, he got there. Players said telling me yesterday that Collins is making all of these plays that we see in games and practice. He's dominating practice just like he's dominating the games. 
And just over and over again, everybody you talk to that he's sticking to his assignment, but he's also making the splash plays and he's doing the things that we are accustomed to seeing him do. I don't think that it's been pretty remarkable to hear all the praise that they've heaped on this guy and has not been just blowing smoke, you know, to kind of pump him up. You know, this is, this has been, we've all seen it. This is, this is warranted praise, I would say for Colin so far. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's really turned into Rudy on the practice field. <laughs> Rudy. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. I like, I never would have expected a guy like yeah. that who based off of the reputation that he had to be a big time practice player. And, and it was, all the defense players are saying that he's dominating practice just like he dominates Sunday. Yep, it, it, it's a complete turnaround in the way that, that he's um, approaching the game. I think he learned a lot being exiled to Cleveland. That it, it, it ain't all about the money, or at least it's nice once you have the money, then, yeah, you can come back and, and get on page <laughs> and win a couple of rings and, and have have still have a good time. Um one of the things, staying on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, there weren't a lot of a lot of defensive uh, The defense was only out there for 51. Uh, but we did not see a lot of Michael Bennett. Um, and this is being brought up around around town a little bit. Is, is Bennett just being um, managed right now? We're not seeing him as much as you would think somebody who was coming in here um, to fill the, the role that he was, he was he was only on the on the field for 19 plays yesterday. Yeah, it is surprising. I think that right now, what we're definitely seeing with Bennett is that he's only in a couple of personnel packages, and mm-hmm. it's mostly rush per- packages on second and third and long, so obvious passing situations. And he's done pretty well in some of those reps. He did not play well, I didn't think, in week one. He's been okay the last couple of weeks. He obviously had the stack yesterday that was in, you know, well, the whole game was kind of garbage time for the Jets. But it wasn't in garbage time as it was, like, in Miami where he had one when they were up 43 to nothing in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So so that was good to see. And, you know, he beat the block. He kind of split a, two blockers there, a nice swim move, and got in the backfield pretty quickly and, and got the sack. So, that was good to see, but I do think that he's becoming more of a situational player than maybe people expected. You know, we all kind of expected he was going to come in here and, and replace Trey Flowers and play 99 to 100% of the snaps. He's he's not that guy. I, I don't think he's as good against the run as Trey was, and that's a big part of it. And they have yep. other guys that are better against the run, especially on those interior defenders, guys like Lawrence Guy and obviously Shelton, like we were talking about, those guys are going to play on first and 10. You know, that's just, that's just the package that they've been going with. Even Adam Butler has like kind of sprinkled in there and on first and 10 or second and five or whatever the case may be. And then it's really been Bennett just in those situational pass rushing roles. And obviously so far it's worked really well. (laughs) So it's not, you know, know, it's not necessarily a problem. I would say that he isn't playing more, but I, I do think it's interesting because it's certainly not a understanding or a football IQ thing because he's one of the smarter players at his position on the team. Everybody on the team talking about, how they're learning so much of about pass rushing in particular from Michael Bennett and uh, using those skills that he's teaching them with, you know, how to use your hands, how to set up blockers, that kind of stuff. 
So it's not an IQ thing. It's not like an information ability to absorb information. Mm-hmm. I think that they just see him right now as a situational player. Is that the way that they're looking at young Chase Winovich also? I think so. And, I, you know, listen, I think Chase has a chance to become more of a three – well, really a four-down player because he's going to play yeah. in the kicking game his entire career probably. But I think he has a chance to become a three-down defensive player eventually. But I think right now they see him on those kind of lighter fronts where they got a lot of guys standing up around the line of scrimmage. They've used him in a couple of different alignments. They had him straight up almost like as a five technique over the tackle a few times over the last couple of weeks. But instead of having his hand in the ground, he's in a two-point stance, which I haven't seen them do a ton of before until they got Winovich. But him and uh, and John Simon have been doing it a couple of times uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, and, you know, he's just, he's been, you know, not dominating like he was in the preseason, but he's been very good for a rookie that's played since his third career game in the NFL for a regular season. So uh, I'm really excited about Chase. I think he's just going to keep getting better. But for now, yeah, I would say that he's more of a situational guy too. Evan, uh, you know, staying with the defense, Let's talk a little bit about the secondary. We didn't really hear a lot from them yesterday because they basically blanketed the Jets wide receivers and <laughs> Luke Falk didn't really have anywhere to go with the ball. And, you know, and and we take everything with a grain of salt. We understand the Jets, you know, they, they were already kind of strapped for, you know, uh, positional guys who were, you know, their money players, I guess you could say. But, you know, now they're even more so with the injuries they've had. But, you know, this secondary just looks – and you you touched on it earlier. No one's blown coverages. No one's out of position. Everyone's just blanket covering, you know, their opponent. And it's like yesterday I was watching some of the plays and that, that show it back, and you can just see there's, there's nobody open. I mean, uh, you know, normally in September – we kind of look at the defense. Okay, yeah, they they have things to build on. They're going to add different layers to it. If this is the normal September that we've gotten used to, I think you know this this secondary, this defense as a whole, is going to be really special come November and December. Yeah, I mean, look, they got Gilmore who just goes out there every time they play the Jets and erases Robbie Anderson from the game. Right. Poor Robbie Anderson can't get away from Stephon Gilmore in no. these matchups. And, and Gilmore <laughs> said after the game that he basically called Robbie Anderson a shrimp. He said he's just a little a little guy, and yep. he just gets up in Robbie Anderson's grill, and he just bumps him at the line of scrimmage and jams him at the line <laughs> of scrimmage. And yep. Robbie Anderson, all Robbie Anderson can do is run a 4-3 in a straight line, and Stephon Gilmore just doesn't let him get off the line. No. And that, and he just completely erases him from the game. Judy then, you know, Jason McCool, yeah, he, he, he said that he's small. He didn't call him, I called him a right. shrimp. That was my, that was right. my word, not, not Gilmore's. Gilmore just said he was, you know, he's a smaller receiver, which is a nice way of saying that he's puny. Um, <laughs> yep. Puny then human. Then there was a play, there's a play in the very first third down of the game for the Jets. Uh, Luke Falk targeted Braxton Berrios with Jason McCourty in coverage. And I 
thought to myself yeah. when that happened. I was like, if that's the matchup all day long for the Jets, then they're not completing a pass. No, nope. <laughs> like, not a one. They're not going to complete a pass. And, and I love Money Nut Berrios. I do. But come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. It, it was, and I think that, you know, Jason McCourty, I know that he got a lot of praise last year for his play, and he was obviously excellent last year, too. I think he's maybe gotten even better as he's gotten more comfortable in the system. And his, mm-hmm. I mean, on top of just his ability to cover guys in man coverage, where he's incredibly sticky and, and got great technique and fluid movement, a lot like Devin, you know, I mean, they're both, they're both really great in coverage. He's just such a smart football player too. And uh, how quickly the two McCordys kind of diagnose things on the back end and, and figure out what the, route combinations are they're like reading offenses like quarterbacks read defenses so too and they just they just see things before they happen because they understand formations and they understand route combinations so they're just able to kind of jump those things and it's just pretty impressive to watch and then you got Jonathan Jones sprinkled in there of course who's just graded out as the best cornerback in the NFL through three weeks from PFF. So he's, you know, he's right there. They have right now, they have Gilmore, Jason McCourty and John Jones, I think are all in the top 10 of PFF grading at cornerback. So they got three guys (laughs) in the top 10 and then Devin and Patrick Chung are in the top 10 for safeties. And Ron Harmon's not too far behind either. And, you know, JC Jackson's had a little bit of a rough, start to the season but we know how talented he is so uh, mm-hmm. when, once he starts to figure out I think with JC you know one thing uh, about you know kind of the seesaw and play with him is that he's not playing a ton so yeah. he gets out there and then he comes off the field and then he gets out there and he gets off the field and I think it's a little bit harder to focus on the you know on the level that the other guys are focusing on when you're in and out of the game so much so yeah, uh, Rob- we'll see what Robbie Anderson that. and <laughs> Three catches for 11 yards, and Jamison Crowder, their top two guy, two catches for 25. I mean, you hold the, the other yeah. opponents, top two wide receivers to 36 yards combined. Yeah, oh my yeah, not it, to complain about. I'd say I don't no, mean I, to laugh, but I do. <laughs> I just love it so much. I hate the Jets. I hate them with a passion. Oh, oh, I do. Oh, this defense. We could talk about this defense um, for for the rest of our lives, it, 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 and I think we're going to. This could be really something special. Um, what week do you put on um, the the local media before they start talking about how they're worried about this team defensively peaking too soon? Yeah, I mean, look, I, I think that there's some validity to the whole peaking too soon thing as a team in general like we see it a lot where teams like Kansas City is notorious for this honestly where they they peak in like October every year Andy mm-hmm. Reid got them coming out of the gate and they're five and six and oh and they look like a juggernaut on offense and then teams start to figure it out a little bit yeah but they, I don't think Andy comes up with eight with new them. plays and by week by week you know right nine everybody's figured it out so yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's necessarily a problem with this team because I do think that they have the veteran leadership that is not going to allow them to become complacent. And Mm -hmm. I think that 
one of the problems, you know, with the opponents that they're playing, and I kind of asked around about this, is just it's not, you know, how much can you get up for some of these games? Like, you know, when you go to Miami last week, like I'm sure Belichick was hammering the our record in Miami stinks, our record in Miami yep. stinks, you know, because that's all that they have. Like, they know that they're going in there, that they should win that game 43 to nothing. You know, there's absolutely nothing that the Dolphins can do offensively or defensively to, to stop that from happening. So they knew that they should have killed the Dolphins. They knew that they were going to beat the Jets yesterday. But I think that they realized that the coaching staff is so good at picking holes in performances like yesterday mm-hmm. that the defense, the offense, everybody is making mistakes that we don't even realize that they're making. On uh, you know, and we're watching the game because we don't know the call or we right. aren't seeing the whole field like they are or whatever the case may be. So they continuously say to us, like, yeah, we're playing great, but trust me when I tell you we're going to hear about 15 things that we did wrong tomorrow when we watch the tape. Yep. Yeah. You know, and, yep. and, that, and that's kind of how Belichick keeps everybody focused. You'll see this when you guys get the all-22. We saw it today. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they just continue to say stuff like that. You know, uh, the offensive line, for example, is like, yeah, we, we won the game, you know, and, and we scored 30 points and all that's great, but we made 50 mistakes. Yep. And I was like, all right, well, 50 sounds like a little bit of an exaggeration, but, but they, they, were felt seven. Like they, made, they <laughs> felt like they made a ton of mistakes yesterday. Yep. And I and, saw each you know, and every one when I when I watched this game for the second time at two o'clock in the morning. Um, a, a lot's being made about the the lack of production from Sony um, this season. Uh, he started out this way last year. Also, I'm going back and I'm looking at the tape. <coughs> Sorry, guys. Yeah, right. My allergies? No, my allergies are just killing me. I've been sitting here hitting the mute button while I'm sneezing constantly. Oh, my God. You and me both. Yo, I hate the fall. I hate the fall allergies. Yeah. I'd rather deal with pollen in the spring. Um, but <clears throat> a lot's been made about what what's going on with Sony. Uh, I went back, and I'm looking at the tape of today. He's not really seeing those, you know, stacked boxes, you know, that everybody's talking about, but he's not making people miss. Do you think that, that there's something more to this? Um, it, it's not just me wishing, you know, that we saw more Brandon Bolden yesterday because he looked amazing. He, let's let's just get that out of the way. Brandon looked amazing. And um, and Sony did not. Um, the other the other thing is, is the fact that when he's on the field, it is always a run play. Eighty percent of the time that he is on the field, it's a running play. Um, does how much of this is going on the offensive line not getting holes for him? How much is this on on possibly his health, and how much of it is on the play calling? I think it's all of the above, and also I'm not surprised that Brandon Bolden just got praised on this podcast. I, I yes. thought that we we made it 30 minutes, and I was like, we haven't even talked about Brandon Bolden yet. I was like, wait a second, we're not we're not <laughs> we're not going to forget about Bolden, are we? Yeah, with Tony, it, he, he listen, is the, saw, the, the straw that stirs, man. He is the straw. I, that I'm stirs. surprised, Evan, you didn't feel the earthquake shake 
on that first snap when Bolden caught the pass from Brady when the Murph family was doing cartwheels down in Connecticut. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah, and it's he, just broke, me. he broke a tackle too, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yep. It, it, yeah. It's no, everybody else rolls their eyes and leaves the room, and it, it's just yeah, it's me. I think it's hey, while, while we're here, I gotta I gotta give out a, a shout out though. Uh, today is Butchie's oh. birthday. He turned sixteen years oh, old. I, happy I, I can't not get that in there. So they're my two favorite people. <laughs> <laughs> so who no do you think more, your other kids, right? <laughs> yep, that's it. You know, one, one's a pro perfect. athlete already, and the other one's on his way. And I gotta get that out mm-hmm. there. Happy sixteenth, son. Um, but yeah, you, you, how much of it? Like I said the the play calling has been really disturbing um in my in in you know my limited view of everything you know 80% of the time how how is anybody supposed to not know that you know what's coming when when this is always coming yeah you know i think that we've asked Josh McDaniels this question 50 times in different ways trying to get an answer out of him of why they won't throw the ball to Sony and why they're so reluctant to just pass the ball in general with Sony on the field. Now, mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing that they're trying to do is what they did last year, which is, yeah, they're going to run it 75, 80% of the time with Sony, but that other 25% is going to be play action. And teams get so bite so hard on the on the run fake with Sony in the game because they've established that tendency of him running the football that the play action passing game becomes lethal when he's in the backfield. And I don't think that it's a product of them being afraid of Sony necessarily as it is just a product of them being afraid of the run in general. And you can kind of isolate that from the back a little bit. But Bill mm-hmm. Dorsett's touchdown yesterday the entire Jets defense bit on the play action with Sony right. in the backfield. So I think there is that element of, listen, we got really good pass catching backs in Rex Burkhead and James White and your boy Brandon Bolden yesterday. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to throw the ball to the backs out of the backfield and Sony is, let's say, our third or our fourth best pass catcher, why would we throw him the ball when we could throw the ball to James White? Or because we could throw I have the ball him on my fantasy team. That's why. <laughs> or we could throw the ball to the receivers, you know? So right. I think that the way that they look at it, and maybe, you know, listen, this is a bigger conversation about whether he was worth the first round pick and stuff like that. I, I, I don't, that's a separate conversation. The conversation yeah, that's a ridiculous now, conversation. The, yeah. I, I he's can't on the team, that. you know? Yep. So he's on, he's on the team. So going back and playing, you know, a revisionist history or whatever, and going back and, and looking at that, pick and whatnot is just whatever but in terms of what his role is on the team now every single player in some sense other than some of the stars on this team have situational roles and sony is a situational back right now he's there first and second between the tackles running back he's the Mm -hmm. ball carrier of this group and that that's going to be the way that it's probably going to be like for him all season long now, I think the biggest thing is for him is that, yeah, he's not making a ton of guys miss. He's getting contacted a lot in the backfield or at right. the line of scrimmage as well. And the blocking up front last year was just worlds better than it is right now. And that's not that surprising. You know, obviously yesterday they didn't have James Devlin. They don't have Rob Gronkowski anymore and him doing his thing. I think they mm-hmm. have lost a little bit at left tackle 
it's been a pretty big drop off, especially from Trent Brown to Marshall Newhouse. But it, I think that Wynn was getting there with the blocking, but Wynn wasn't a people mover like Trent Brown was. No. You know, Trent Brown is, is a monster, and he's a guy that's moving multiple defenders way he's off the not line. not a human. So, yeah, so, that, <laughs> so that, that part of it, I think that we underrated a little bit. And then, obviously, there's other been other injuries. And, you know, Marcus Cannon's been out of the lineup. Ted Karras is a backup center in the, in the lineup who's done well, but is it still a backup. So the blocking hasn't been as good. The play calling, I think, is an issue, although I think that it's more of a establishing tendencies with certain running backs on the field so that they can zig when other people think they're going to zag in certain circumstances, like with play action. I think all those things are true, and I think that Sony can be better. But Sony is a downhill runner, right? He's not Deion Lewis. He's nope. not going to shift and make people miss in a phone booth and creep through little, little holes that, you know, you can barely see and, and make something out of nothing and do stuff like that. He's a guy that you need to get downhill. You need to get him through the line of scrimmage. And then where his game really takes off is at the second and third level. He does a great job of setting up his blockers to get the defense to flow away from him and be able to, you know, create extended explosive runs by kind of not necessarily making people miss by juking, but kind of making people miss by weaving, if you will, you know, and, and, and being able to kind of set up blockers and find the open space at the second and third levels. He's not a guy that's going to win at the line of scrimmage if you can't get people blocked. That That's the biggest thing. And so they need to get that sorted out first and foremost. And I really do think that if they can get people blocked a little bit better, that Sony's production will come with it. I agree. I agree. I think um, up the middle, Ted Karras is, is just, you know, it's it's been a slight take back. Marcus Cannon is not fully healthy. Um, we, you know, talked about Toll House Cookie out there on at the left, you know, <laughs> God, it's just, oh God, it's pain. I, I, I really was. I'm sitting here. I woke my wife up, you know, yelling at the TV as, as these, hey, move your feet, dumbass, move your feet. And it's, it, it is, it's painful. There's a lot that's he going was better into... yesterday. He still seems like he lunges a little though at times. Doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He lunges. He was better in pass protection yesterday. I think the biggest thing is is that, he, like you said, he doesn't move his feet. Right. And so, it, especially, it's it's not the first step out of his stance. It's like the second or third step out of his exactly. stance. Exactly. Where he, he has a tough time mirroring guys all the way around the arc. And he, mm-hmm. so he doesn't move his feet, and then he punches, and then, and then he gets a lunging, like he got on Edelman's touchdown when he gave up the QB hit. And right. that's when it gets a little bit sloppy and – in the running game, it's the same thing. His feet and his hands are not 100% in sync right now. So mm-hmm. when he gets on blocks, he falls off blocks because he's not moving his feet to stay square on guys, and he's just grabbing them with his hands. And then they just kind of move to their left or their right to go with the flow of the play, and his feet get left behind, and so he falls mm-hmm. off the block. That's it. It's like he hears that, you know, after the snap, in his head, he's going left, right, left, right, and then it's left, left, and uh, no, uh, uh, move your feet! Move your goddamn feet. <laughs> it's really aggravating for a former fat man who who, who was a, an offensive lineman to, to watch this. It really is, people. It, it, it's, 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 oh, it's, it's infuriating <laughs> because they, this team should be playing much better and they're not. And, and yeah, I'm going to get on Toll House over here for not doing that. Um, 
Uh, one I just point. thought it was amusing that you called yourself a former fat man. That's all. <laughs> yeah, that is amusing because I'm still round, people. Um, for those of you that don't know it and only see me through through the the lens of you know wherever, I am not 11 feet tall and and green. I'm not. Um, so, <laughs> uh, Jacoby Myers looked looked pretty good good yesterday for a for a, a young rookie. What what do you think of him? How he's grasping the um the offense. Uh, is he going to see a bigger role in the next couple of weeks? Because honestly, people, you know, not to jump on the bad news, but I think Julian Edelman might miss a week or two. Yeah, that that that's going to be something worth monitoring. This game up in Buffalo is going to be a lot tougher if Julian Edelman can't play. Right. But I think with Jacoby, what we've seen throughout training camp and what we've seen throughout all of August and now, yesterday is that his route running is actually he's a really smooth route runner and he has a really good job you know he's not the most explosive guy he's not the fastest guy in the world but he does a great job of changing speeds throughout his routes which makes him kind of unpredictable and he has the ability to really go left or right and cut out of his break pretty well in either direction at any point in time which especially if he's working inside the formation which is usually his go-to is working out of the slot he's able to you know, you really can't guess which way he's going to go, which is something that Edelman does all the time, too. But when you're working inside, you can really go left or right. There's no boundary. You know, there's no sideline to worry about. So you can go left or right, and he has that ability to kind of set up defensive backs and manipulate them and get them leaning one direction or get on top of them and then be able to go either direction and really get open like he did on the route that he – the big catch that he had yesterday. He's just a smooth route runner. He everything looks pretty easy for him in terms of of that part of the game, and he's you know got reliable hands. He's made some really good catches, especially back in training camp where he's like snatching one-handed catches out of the air and stuff like that. And uh, you know I, I really like him. Now yesterday when he did finally get in the game, the Patriots the the second half offense went completely vanilla because they had Jacoby out there for a lot of it. They had Gunner in there at times and that Julian Edelman obviously wasn't in there either. So they had a lot of kind of, other than Philip Dorsett, and I guess Josh Gordon at this point in year two, but I would say that he's still learning some of the intricacies of the offense also. They uh, they had some inexperience out there. So they played mostly three wide receivers the entire second half. It was a lot of their bland, vanilla-based concepts so that they didn't really overwhelm Jacoby with too much information. But I, I really thought that they played, Jacoby played pretty well in those snaps. And I think that we are going to see him play a little bit more, uh, at least for the next six weeks or so. As soon as Nikhil Harry comes back, I'm very interested to see how this whole thing goes. I think that the top three of Edelman, Dorsett and Gordon will be pretty safe when Nikhil comes back, but Dorsett's going to be as good as he is. They're probably going to have to cut into some of his snaps too, because they're going to want to get the first round pick on the field. You know, we we saw that last year with Sony. We're going to see it this year again with Nikhil Harry. When Nikhil Harry comes back, he's going to have a role on this team. He's not going to be the guy that's sitting on the bench for an undrafted rookie. That That's for Joker. sure. Joker, 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 Joker. <laughs> yeah, it could happen. You could get your wish. Yep, could get my wish. He, he's being turned into the Joker right now. That's that's why Evan, he was Evan, put on looking at, at, at this week's game up in Buffalo, I mean um, – at least right now, there's there's a good possibility that Julian Edelman could miss this uh, with his rib injury. 
Could you possibly see where they use James White more in in kind of like that Edelman role where they flex him out into the slot and and get him going those quick passes? Sure, yeah. I mean, Edelman, you know, he's, he's such a good receiver in that Z role where he's moving inside, he's moving outside, and he's usually like the number two or the number three on the inside, which gets him a lot of matchups against linebackers. So I could see them doing that with Edelman last year when they played Buffalo. Buffalo is is they like to play a good amount of zone coverage. They're not a man heavy defense, and so they ran Haas White Juke against them last year at least five or six times. You know, it was like it seemed like once a series the Patriots are pulling out Haas last year because it's such yep. a good zone beater, and because you got the the seams, and if they're playing one, you know, cover one or single high, then the seams are going to be open. And then it's just the option route in the middle with Edelman of the field. If you're playing zone, you're going to get him against the linebacker. So, yeah, I could see them doing it with Edelman. I think that last week or yesterday they, they did a little bit with had Philip Dorsett in that role a, a few times as well. So maybe we'll see that continue moving forward if Edelman does miss some time. But, uh, yeah, this is an interesting defense to play because last year – James White, I think, had double-digit targets. He was might have been the leading receiver on the team in that matchup up there last year. So it's, uh, it's definitely a running back-heavy game because they're going to put their linebackers in spots where they're going to have to cover running backs out of the backfield pretty frequently, especially in those zone coverages. Yeah, and, and piggybacking off of that, I mean, I, one guy who I think has been – I'm not saying uh, flashy or outstanding, but a bit really solid the first – couple of games has been Rex Burkhead you know he's given them uh some good production in the running game as well as in the passing game I, I mean I think we could be seeing a lot of those two next week up in Buffalo what do you think about that yeah absolutely Rex has been great you know Rex is uh everybody loves Rex he's a hard worker you know the Belichick basically the way that he talked about him yesterday was like kind of like how Belichick would talk about you know like a Danny Amendola or even like a Julian Edelman at times where just a hard worker guy's super knowledgeable his dad was a former player and coach and it kind of he's like a son of a coach type type deal so that that definitely shows and his ability to pass, you know, catch the ball out of the backfield, I think, and have that all-around game. What they've been able to do with him in the running game is really interesting. They they run him a lot more out of the gun than they do with Sony, and that has yep. helped a lot. And he gets a little bit of lighter boxes, I think, than Sony does on average. And they're able to, you know, get him the ball yesterday a few times on some draw plays out of the shotgun, and those were able to open up some holes against the Jets' defense that that played some pretty good run defense yesterday. I thought. So they were able to get Rex going a little. He can catch the ball out of the backfield, as we know. Really, those two guys, White and Burkhead, the Patriots are going to play, obviously, other teams that have great pass-catching running backs. They might have two of the best on their team. So I, I don't think that the, the defense is going to face very many pass-catching backs that are better than those two. Uh, they talked about that a lot with Le'Veon this week, this past week, that, you know, yeah, Le'Veon's a great pass-catcher, but James White and Rex are – you know, testing us every single day in practice. So it's not really that much of a step up for us. So I think that Rex is – Josh McDaniels loves Rex Burkhead. I don't know if you guys have heard this story, but when Rex Burkhead came out of uh, – in the draft a few years ago at the Combine, apparently McDaniels was telling people he was the best running back in the class. So Josh um, McDaniels absolutely loves Rex Burkhead. Loves him. Oh, you know, um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. You heard me right. That's running back in the class. Oh, oh um. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's, I mean, that's pretty oh, accurate. And the people, people ask. People wonder why Rex Burkhead plays so much, and and these are all the reasons why. Versatile, smart player, and Josh McDaniels loves him. And Josh McDaniels <laughs> likes him. Oh, yeah. yeah, we all remember quarterbacks that Josh drafted in the first round. Well, so shut up! <laughs> Rex has proven that he's he's reliable. I mean, yeah. let's go back. To when the, he's healthy, that's that's the that's the that's unreliable yeah. thing. I I keep waiting for yeah. him to go down. And and this offense to have to change. This is that's what's the difficult. Everything that 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 you know Josh has said about him, with the exception of him being the best <laughs> running back in that draft. I'm sorry, I had to sneeze again. Um, uh, is true, but but the fact is that you know he there, there's now a tub named after him in in the trainer's room. <laughs> Because he he just spends so much time in it, and and, and we, we talk about injury prone players, you know, people throw that out a lot, uh, and it's not true when when you're sitting there and you're 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 snapping a, a uh, uh, your um, uh, uh, Achilles tendon. That doesn't make you injury prone. What makes you injury is is the little things that that keep you out of a game or keep you out of parts of a game. And that's the drawback with Rex Burkhead. You love him when he's healthy, when he when you can depend on him. He 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 catches everything that's thrown at him. Uh, he he hits every hole that that you open up for him, and he gets you that three yards or the four yards, or he moves the sticks the way it is. But it's really hard to game plan with a guy like that when you know midway through the third quarter that could be it for him for the day, or even the first quarter. Um, that's that's the only drawback with Burkhead, and that's that's why I was kind of surprised that that he did make this team this year. But after hearing that story, no, I had not heard that story before. <laughs> now I he will forever. It, it will be twenty twenty seven, and I will have Rex Burkhead on my freaking initial twenty man <laughs> roster. One one guy, one guy that 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 um, has been fantastic, and we talked about him a, a few uh, minutes ago. Uh, was Philip Dorsett. Dorsett even got me some yak yesterday. Um, Philip is has really fit into this offense well. We talked about how much Tom likes him. Um, the only th- I tweeted out yesterday that I thought that Philip had a birth defect. You know that once a football touches his hands, his legs stop working. Uh, he he proved me wrong. Like right after I tweeted that. And uh, what do you think is is how important is he going to be this coming when this coming Sunday? I think he's really important for the rest of the season, to be honest, because, listen, we all love Josh Gordon, right? And we all rooting for Josh Gordon. But if Josh Gordon has to tap out of this year like he did last year, then Philip Dorsett's going to be even more important. So mm-hmm. I think Philip is, is a huge, huge piece in this offense now, especially without that other guy around that I don't even want to say his name anymore. I'm so sick of it. <laughs> But that without that guy around now, Dorsett is 100%, you know, right in the mix here. And I think the thing that has really stood out about him, other than the building the chemistry with Brady and the understanding of the playbook and stuff like that, which is all great, he has really developed into a complete receiver. You know, when they got him, he was a straight-line speed guy. He was a speed receiver, a burner, whatever you want to call it. He's going to come in he here. He was that puny human that – 
Yeah, he was the puny human that that Gilmore just touched at the line of scrimmage, you know, and and got yeah. him off his route. Yep. Now it's not yep, that. Not anymore. Not anymore. Now he can get off the line. He can run different routes. He can run at all three levels of the defense. Really, uh, his intermediate game has just gotten so much better. I mean, that that whole catch streak and everything has all been on intermediate throws. You know, talking about ten, twelve yard outs little, you know, hitches coming back to the quarterback, step over the middle of the field. Like, that's what he's been doing. And, obviously, he's been running the steam a little bit more this year with Gronk not in the picture anymore. And they've kind of replaced Gronk's seam vertical stretch with Dorsett and Gordon at running the seams instead. And, and that's really worked out well. So, he's got the ability to run at all three levels of the defense now. He can get off press coverage a little bit better. You can play him inside. You can play him outside. He's really become a complete receiver, and I I don't know if anybody expected him to do that with the way that things went his first couple years in Indy and then his first year here in New England. He was always kind of a one-trick pony, and I think that he's becoming way more versatile than even the Patriots coaches expected. Because in training camp, it was kind of the same Philip Dorsett that we were seeing in terms of him being just a speed guy on the outside. And then all of a sudden, it started drifting towards the other way, and they started playing him in the slot more and running him more on those intermediate patterns. And now he's he's a complete receiver. He can run every route. He can really attack the defense in multiple ways, and he's becoming kind of a weapon for them. So it's, it's been great to see his kind of progression. And you love to, re- you know, I know he's a former first round pick, so it's not like he's an undrafted guy like a Jacoby Myers that's come out of right. nowhere, but. You really love to see a receiver kind of work on his craft and perfect his game and expand his game because a lot of these guys, even the good ones, a lot of these guys are just one-trick ponies. You know, uh, Deshaun Jackson's been in the league for 10 years as a a guy that can just run in a straight line. There you go. It's great to see Dorsett do this. I'm I'm glad you brought up his, his, his draft spot because, you know, here, you know, Patriots, they they call them reclamation projects or this that. This is where they can, they're allowed to to do what you just described to grow as a ball player to expand their ball game, as opposed to where they get drafted. When you get drafted in the first round, in middle of the first round, high of the first round, you know how many times have we seen those guys, you know quote unquote bomb somewhere else because they're expected to be able to do so much because they're um they read a draft profile or they liked what he did in at the combine in you know in the 40 and not in the three cone and they they just don't have time to develop before the the masses are screaming you're a bust get him out of town you know and that's what that that's what this kid has been able to do here he was He's a free agent, and Bill talked to him and told him, look, if you come back, you're going to end up being a bigger part of this offense. It's going to, you know, your game is growing, and it's growing in a way that, you know, you're going to be able to do these things. I think one of the reasons Amendola wasn't paid was the fact that, you know, Bill saw this stuff and um, and knew that he would be able to use uh, Dorsett in, in that, that manner. Do you agree? Yeah, I think that they've really – I think that they Dorsett's a different type of receiver from like a Danny Amendola, obviously. Yeah. Danny's more shifty and, and Dorsett's right. you know, got the speed. But the way that Dorsett's really developed at the top of his route, ability to manipulate defenders, set up guys for breaks, 
and really not lose as much momentum. I think that that's really been the Troy Brown effect. No one will tell oh, me that. Oh, right. But I really think that Troy Brown has has worked a lot with Philip Dorsett at not losing momentum at the top of his break so that he can use his speed throughout the entire route because that's when he can really be dangerous because guys can't stay with him if he's – if he's cutting and he's breaking at full speed, he's mm-hmm. way too fast to keep up with. So right. I think that that's an element of his game that's really expanded too. And that element of it expanding has allowed him to become kind of a chains mover like a Danny Amendola, even though it's been a little bit in a different way. Dorsett, like I said, he's been a guy that he's living in that 10 to 20 yard range right now. He's not, Brady's not throwing him bombs. You know, right. this, this isn't a, a Brandon Cooks or someone like that. He's throwing him those those chain moving throws and, and he's going to him on third downs like we saw in Miami and other that's, situations like that. That's a better comparison. Thank you very much, Cooks as opposed to Amendola. He's he's able to do more things than Cooks is able to do and it that that's a great point, bud. It really was. Um I know it's it's super early. Um how do you see the the Pats attacking uh Buffalo's defense this week? Well, it's going to be tough to run against those guys. They have a really good defensive front. they got good young linebackers right now. I think that the biggest thing that they tried to do last year, in, in the second matchup in, here in New England, they ran all over them because they were getting that running game was really clicking. And uh, they, they ran all over them with the jet sweeps and all that kind of stuff. And I don't think that we're going to see that this time around. But the first time when they were up in Buffalo, it was not a very good offensive performance. Please don't give Gordon any more sweeps. Please, please. Yeah, no, please. it's not his game. The it's guy that should be getting the sweeps yeah. is Dorsett. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the fastest guy that they have. Um, if it's not Edelman, obviously. You know, Edelman's probably the best at him. Just no, they tried getting area, they but. tried getting Gordon to the to the corner yesterday, and he was just no, it's not no, don't do no. Yeah. He's he's no, he's too old. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. too small. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not his game. But I, I think that, like I said earlier, this Buffalo defense does play a pretty good amount of zone. So I would assume that they're, we're going to see a lot of three three wide, four wide if they do have the depth back at wide receiver to do that. Mm-hmm. And really spread the field because you got to really spread the field. you got to get those, uh, you know, little spot routes in the middle of the, of the zones and stuff like that and really, uh, you know, go with some spread concepts there to attack these zone defenses. Maybe some four Burke or Haas with, you know, uh, the if it's press coverage on the outside, it kind of turns into four birds almost. And, you know, different things like that. I think that that's probably the best way to do it because this Buffalo defense is legitimate. You know, this is a really good Buffalo defense. Uh, I don't know about their offense quite yet with Josh Allen, but their defense is, is going to be one of the better defenses in the league all year long. So I it's going to be a tough test. Getting yards against this team is going to be tough. Don't be surprised at all. I mean, of course, we're all going to say this all week, and it will end up being like 35-32 in an absolute shootout. But <laughs> the expectation is probably going to be that it's going to be a game that's won in the teens and low 20s, uh, whoever comes out with the win. And uh, I don't think that it's, you know, the first three weeks of the season, I thought it was pretty much a given the Patriots are going to win. I think the Patriots are, should be favored and probably have a pretty good chance of winning this game in Buffalo. But I don't think that – I think this is the first time that they're going to be challenged all year, really. Yeah, I I, I really don't see much on, on the offensive side of the ball in Orchard Park that, that scares me with this defense. Uh, anybody over there on 
that that you've noticed? No, I, I tend to agree with you. I think the biggest thing with Josh Allen and the Patriots did a really good job of against him last year, and and he was just overwhelmed by what they were yeah, he was doing. Just confused. Him in the pocket. Yeah, yep. and he had he had they made him actually read through defenses, and there was right. just no chance that he was going to be able to do that. I think the only thing that you know he is a volatile player in the sense that if you let him get out of the pocket, he's Mahomes like where he can just make some of these crazy throws. You right. know, he really can. He he can make a seventy yard throw across his body going the opposite direction. That's, That's it. It's not an exaggeration. I've seen him do it. So, if he if so he's going that, if he's going right, the ball's going to go left. It, it, that's you know that's one of my keys that I've already written. That um, he is one of those guys, just like Mahomes, that's able to do that, and he takes advantage of it because most defenses don't see it coming. They don't think you're going to do it. They don't think you can do it, and this kid can do it. He's got the arm strength to do it. Yeah, and against a defense like the Patriots, I think the one thing that you've seen in the first three weeks is that you're not going to win enough plays in a row against the Patriots' defense to mm-hmm. manipulate, yeah, matriculate your way down the field. Right, like the Patriots defense is going to win at one in every two plays or one in every three plays. So if mm-hmm. you're trying to put together a ten-play drive and drive the entire length of the field against them, you're going to have a really long day. You're not going to score a whole lot doing that. No. The way you're going to score against the Patriots defense is big plays. You're going to have to create explosive plays through the air, and the one thing that Josh Allen can do is that. So that I think that would yep. be the one element of the game that I would just, you got to keep them in the pocket. You got to cover guys for three, four seconds down the field and really stay attached to everybody because everybody is open on the field for this guy. Even if he can't hit the side of the barn, uh, right. he, he's everybody is still open in terms of, you know, the chances that he'll take with the ball down the field. That's it. And as Steve said earlier, you know, t- to start off the show, um, that's not happening against this Patriots defense. Everybody is sticking with their man. Nobody is blowing assignments and I just wow, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun to watch, man. This is good. this team could go down as as something really, really, really special. Evan, I want to thank you for being here with us today, man. You always take time out when we ask. Um, you know whether it's it's you know the middle of the off season or the week before the Super Bowl. It is always a blast talking to you, man. It really is. You, Alex, everybody over there, we want to thank you, the guys at CLNS. For, for lending you to us and, and bringing us your insight whenever we call. Why don't you tell everybody where they can read you, where they can check out your podcasts, and, uh, of course, where they can follow you on social media, buddy. Yeah, absolutely, and, and thank you. Yeah, we always love coming on with you guys. This is my favorite podcast to do, and I'm not just blowing smoke. I, I genuinely mean that. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at EZLazar, L-A-Z-A-R, uh, on there is where you can find everything I write, my podcast, Pats All 22. I have to also plug the Patriots account for CLNS at Patriots CLNS. Uh, that's where you can find everything else that we do, as well as my articles and uh, all our videos on our YouTube page and all Fantastic. the podcasts that we have, uh, all the Patriots podcasts like Pats Beat with Tregs and the Calling It podcast with Alex and uh and my podcast as well with adam kirchin so it's all there and uh you know we we're just cranking out stuff right now you know it's it's the middle of the season so our youtube page we do like three videos a day when we're down there and and, uh it's uh, i had to turn off notifications (laughs) 
I know. It's it's a lot of videos. We flood the videos. Yesterday we yep. did four or They're five fantastic. of them, I think. And I, so I watch them all. I do. I watch them all. It's just I, I, I turned it off so they, they don't, you know, roll across my screen every time you make one. Because at one point in time, somebody over there uploaded like three within a matter of five minutes. I'm like, okay, this has got to stop. And I'll get there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, I'm sure that they edit them. I don't edit them, thankfully. Right. That's Alex and, and Sierra. They do all the legwork when it comes to that type of stuff. So they, they probably just edit them all and then, and then yeah, upload them all at once. And, and then we get flooded. So uh, it's great. Don't read the comments, though. The comments are very mean. No, YouTube never read the comments. They're not nice yeah, people. No. <laughs> I know. Yeah, believe me. I, I, yeah, there's just too many high school fucking football coaches out there, you know, commenting with on YouTube things. No. No, don't never read the comments. <laughs> well, n- oh, you're a the, high school football n- coach. I will not be following you back on Twitter. Thank well, you very much. N- none of those comments are actually about what you're saying or what you're analyzing. It's trying to show you how smart they are. Oh, don't listen yes, to these guys. Exactly. I'm smarter than you. And they, oh, yeah. they never say, wait, well, you did it wrong. They just, oh, no, you're totally wrong. I, I'm much smarter than you. That's... Yeah, I'd love to give some of them a mic every once in a while and just, <laughs> you know, Yep. Show them that it's not it's not so easy to to do the you know what we do even though uh, it, it might look it but it's uh, it's it's not so easy to go up there and put together coherent thoughts uh, about a game or about on a podcast like this or whatever the case may be. Yeah. No, it definitely is not, especially when the camera's on you because some of us, like myself included, I'm much more comfortable behind the camera than in front of it. So. Hats off to yep. you guys. You guys do a great job. And, uh, Thank yeah, you. thanks again for coming on because we always appreciate your time. Of course. Uh, always here to to jump on yeah, with no, you to, guys. To the Brandon Bolden podcast. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I like that, man. I'm going to freaking start that sucker. Full press Murph. Full press Bolden. We love it. We love it. Easy. Thank you so much for being here, man. We'll have you back real soon. I gotta, you know, we gotta get out of here because I gotta go kill a man with a chainsaw. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. I'm, I'm thank not you very using much. The chainsaw. The guy is using the chainsaw outside my window right now. Oh, I I, man, I, I was looking forward to seeing the video of that. So. <laughs> Butchie did that right. last night. Yeah. No, 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 no. You, you, Butchie went to for his birthday. Him and a bunch of his his friends went up to Six Flags and they're they're doing their fright fest thing. And some guy came jump came running at Butchie with a chainsaw, and he was just like, "Look at me, man! Look at me! I'm six foot two. No, no, go away, go away, or I'll kill you." And uh, so was- <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that. We went on a haunted hayride years ago, and some guy in a Jason mask jumped on because you're on like some like old wagon type thing. Yeah. Some guy jumped on. I'm sitting on the very like there yeah, the tailgate. Some guy jumped on with a Jason mask and this big butcher knife, and I just clocked him right in the face. What's <laughs> happened? Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> and they, oh, uh, yeah, they they asked us to leave. So, <laughs> okay, well, you know, that's all right. I've been asked to leave. I've been asked to leave entire countries. So yeah, me don't too. don't feel yeah. bad. You know, yeah, please go. Don't come back. I'm so, yeah. fuck you, Australia. Sorry, it was just force of habit. I mean, you know. I'm, I'm not one of those people that's going to, you know, scream and die and Jason. No, I'm going down swinging, buddy. There you go. So, 
There you go. And I'm he, taking he somebody in a mask with me. Yeah. That's he it. did a good job. Of, I mean, he's, talk about surprise. He did surprise us. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, it is what All it right, is. man. Let, let's get out of here. I got a birthday dinner to cook. Um, right. Put a bow on this one, Steve. We'll be back Friday, folks. We're going to do we're yeah, gonna we're, we're gonna, a little it, Friday show it, again. Yeah, it's only Monday at noon. We're just finishing up, and we want to thank our guest, all the guys over at CNS. Those guys are absolutely awesome. Um, we want to thank everyone for listening, guys at WBLZ Sports, obviously the guys over fullpresscoverage.com. For Murph and myself, Steve Balistrieri, we want to thank everyone once again. We'll be back on Friday because we are going to do a quick uh, – another quick podcast where we're going to break down the the bills game we really haven't had a chance to look at them in depth yet and we will do that and we'll bring you guys that on friday afternoon and uh so for all of us here guys have a great week thanks for listening and how about those patriots (laughs) 